10 UFC feed. This is Matt. Welcome to podcast episode 3 of 4212. Congratulations to you, whoever you are listening, for making the decision to go back to the beginning of the NUFC feed podcast story. We're pleased to welcome you here. How are things in your time? What role does Shola Ramiobi have at the club now? Where did they relook? Where did they relocate Lisa's Terrace to accommodate the East Stand? Please write in, let us know. I am on WhatsApp. Joined as always by Lucas. Lucas, Lucas, Hello. how the devil are you? How has your Sunday been um, so far? I'm, I'm certainly tickled by a wonderful introduction. That was very, that was very funny. Um, yeah, I'm having a lovely Sunday, thanks. Um, just made made a nice breakfast, made some toast, took the dog out for a walk. Um, there's a trip to Ikea in the offering. What was on your toast? Um, well, it was a sort of <laughs> vegetable, a vegetable, what's the right word? Like a smorgasbord, <laughs> a vegetable phenomenon. Vegetables mushroom. on toast. Gosh. Yeah, mushrooms, spinach, onions, garlic, chilli. And then we I threw, I threw on some lardons though, which was um, just to negate the health effect of the, of the toast. I was getting concerned it was too good for me. I enjoy a lardon. Well, on my toast... <laughs> I had a, a classic American mix of one slice had peanut butter on it, crunchy, and the other had jam. So oh. not adventurous, but uh, but it went down terribly well. I think well. that is quite adventurous. I'd, I'd not. I wouldn't go that way. <laughs> well, I had my breakfast and my supper all on one plate. Um, well, <laughs> good. I'm glad you've had a, a nice start to your day. Um, just before we get into the meat of it, I do have some, some grave news, which I need to share with you. Um oh. Now, you and any listeners of the previous podcast will recall that we discussed um, briefly our our suggestions for January transfers that Newcastle might make. And my shout was a player who I'd, of course, never seen, never bought on FIFA or anything, um, Wanderson yes. Jeleno. Um, you, exactly. You were very taken with his name, Wanderson. Well, herein lies the grave news, for he is not called Wanderson. It is oh. Wenderson. So oh. there I go, demonstrating my appalling football knowledge. Um, um, I still like his name. I think it still has an almost sort of Waylon Smithers kind of quality to it, Wenderson. We've never heard like, of Wenderson, so, you know. Like, I didn't know before that conversation what the male equivalent of the female name Wendy was. So, like, you know, we've learned something today. Well, what a good glass half full way of looking at that uh, that, that news. <laughs> Now, it's Sunday, um, Sunday the 29th of January, so we're careering towards the conclusion of the January transfer window, and you listen to us having recording at a time where Anthony Gordon, not completed, but we're anticipating the completion any moment now. Uh, meanwhile, Harrison Ashby, the young West Ham right-back, has also, we've just recently heard that he has, we have agreed a fee of £3 million for him. Um, we're going to get on to transfer news, but just for our listeners, I wanted to locate the podcast for them. That's where we are. We're also in the midst of the semi-final tie for the League Cup. So, Lucas, tell me about Tuesday evening, the previous, the first leg. How was your Tuesday evening? Where were you? What did you make of it? I did the same thing as the Leicester match. I went to my friend David's house. Um, we watched it on his big screen. This firstly isn't to criticise David, but the internet in his local area wasn't very good. So it was frustrating because the, we didn't really get like a good run of more than five minutes. So that was frustrating. Secondly, 
I didn't think we were that good. I thought we were good in maybe two bursts. I think 10, 15 minutes at the start, maybe three bursts. 10, 15 minutes at the start of the game, five minutes off after half time. And then when Isak and Sam Maxman came on, I think we were the better side. But when Southampton scored, it was right to disallow the goal, but they deserved a goal. They they were the better team for, for a good 25 minutes, I think, maybe even half an hour. Um, and that's the first time for a while, actually, that I've seen us be genuinely troubled in terms of conceding chances. And Pope, once again, made two very good saves. Um, well, we were lucky that the first chance fell to Shea Adams, who I don't think is playing with any confidence right now. Yeah, I would be lying if I said it was an evening that I enjoyed particularly. Uh, the first half was just so familiar, wasn't it, in terms of other games that have have gone by recently where we're clearly making chances yeah. that we should be burying. Um, of course, Joe Linton had that dubious, disallowed goal. I guess we'll never know if it hit his hand. Um, but nevertheless, we were missing chances. I think, I think there was a bit, there was an angle that was conclusively showed that it didn't touch his arm. I, I personally did. Conclusive? Um, I don't know if it was conclusive. Was I it? think so. I mean, I don't know. I think you had to... Yeah, I... I, I thought it was obvious that it didn't touch his arm. There's, you can tell, but there's no change in the way the ball is spinning. The way it was um, spinning seemed to suggest that it it might not have, but but I I can't say I can recall seeing an angle where it definitively pointed it out that he hadn't. But maybe I dreamed it. Maybe I dreamed an angle in my sort of no. <laughs> this, like, do you know what Lucas? Justice dream, and, and but I I thought I saw one that it didn't. Well, it didn't go up his arm. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. But it was. I remember being pretty vexed about it I, I thought it was a I thought it was a cheap denial of a goal basically and probably still salty from the VAR issues we had or like so the refereeing issues we had at Liverpool and then with sort of Crystal Palace at home like we've had mm-hmm. a few clangers so maybe I'm salty due because of that but I, I didn't think it was a handball to be honest well Lucas we did receive some feedback after our last podcast that said we were too agreeable so, <laughs> so thankfully, no. we've found a, we've yeah. immediately found a fork in our uh, relationship. Yeah. I, uh, I, my instinct was that it had hit his hand, but uh, or his arm. Nevertheless, um, yeah, a, a pretty troubling second half followed until those substitutions arrived. And uh, wow, Alexander yeah. Isaac made an impact, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, with the assist, I. It was quite sort of, I'm not saying he's in the league of this player, he's nowhere near in the league of this player yet, but it's sort of what I think in terms of his potential, it was a very Henri-esque move, just to sort of glide, leave leave a fullback for dead and then come in and put a chance on a plate. Um, it was really impressive. I thought, was, to be honest with you, I thought of the balance of the two, St. Maxman had more of a direct impact on the game because it meant Walker Peters had to play defensively and he they'd been doubling up um, on, on that side of the field and actually... I think Howe's first intuition was to think I, I have to keep Joe Linton and Willock there because they're attacking us down that side. But then they changed what's the maxman. He actually ended up pinning them back. And um, it was a good substitution in that regard. But yeah, Isak, there's now been enough moments in his career where you can see yeah, he's obviously like one of those players that is sort of in the conversation of, of elite, you know, in terms of like the innate ability or incredible innate ability, great skill. He can clearly do something out of nothing, has that kind of X factor about him. And It was great to I see how direct he was when, when he got on yeah. the ball. Um, like you say, yeah. Henri-esque. I mean, just just that that 
that flash of, of of ingenuity on the wing that, that that created the chance for the cross that he put in. It was just we just we don't we have players in the team that have pace and that can beat a man, but from that standing start, guile, I think, just the all like creativity or even skill, but yeah, just like you, we haven't had a player like that for so long. I don't think. I mean, St. Maximan, um. Yeah, but not do you know not that exact same. There's, there's something a little bit more like um, I don't know. There's something a bit more elemental about what Isak did. Just like one, two, bang, go. Yeah. You know, it was um, yeah, having a player with that kind of technical ability playing as a sort of striker. We've not had that for a long Very time. Very much bums off seats, as they would as they would say. <laughs> now, the other thing about introducing the pair of them together meant that Joe Linton returned to that number eight role that he that he yeah. owned so well last season. Um, do you think he indicated to everyone that that is indeed his best position, despite the benefits of having having him on the left wing? Um, I think with him, it's more they're just keen to have him in the starting team because he offers so much to the team defensively, and especially in terms of hoovering up space and in the press. And he's a great tackler. So I think they'll play him anywhere that, they can use those strengths off him. I personally think he's better in the midfield because I don't think, even though he's having quite a good scoring season, I don't think he contributes enough offensively for a winger in the system we play. So I think for the team, if your outlook is to go, we should be attacking more, yes, maybe there. But if your outlook is, I'm really happy with us sort of just being pretty much, you know, being impossible to score against and trying to nick games. You might think, well, actually, no, it's if it's working, don't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. One of the other features of the evening was the, was the pinnacle of shithousery at the end of the game. Um, now it's, it's a difficult one. This isn't it. I mean, it's the sort of thing as a neutral, you look up on and think, God, what a hateful bunch, but you know, we've spent goodness knows how long decades worth of time, watching players, squads, teams that roll over. And I tend to think yeah. if we're going to if we're going to smash our way into the top into the top sections of the league, into the into the finals of tournaments, given the position we're starting from, i.e. financially so much further behind the elite clubs, at least for now, then we've got to find these edges and find these small margins. I remember in the summer when Brailsford, the cycling guy, the the, um, the fine margins, came to do a talk to the squad, didn't he, in their base camp in Austria? And I bet, and of course, yeah. how was time with Simeone? I bet it's stuff like this that they've identified. You need to find these these small these small ways to just get an edge on opponents, and the shithousery is is a part of that. And Murphy with the wave and Bruno laughing in his face, obviously the damage had already been done, so you could argue that's totally unnecessary. But I think the point is, we're trying to become a team that teams hate the prospect of playing against because they're full of awful characters on the pitch. Good as gold off it. I am yeah. massively for our shithousery. Where do you stand on it? I completely agree. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a fan of it. I think, um, firstly, like in relation to your latter, in relation to your latter point, it's... It's a little bit. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's a lot bit. I think being a team uh, that teams don't like to play against. But I think it's also wind them up, get them to lose focus, distract them, make them emotional. Um, and I think there've been very few sides, I'd imagine, in English football history, maybe European football history, but I don't know enough, who haven't, you know, won the title without having a nasty streak 
I think it's kind of a necessity, you know, you have to know your way to, you you have to know how to, I mean, the, the cliche is win when you're not playing well. It's hard to do that if you don't have a nasty streak or a tough streak. You have to know that, okay, we're not able right now to play this team off the park or our normal strategy isn't working. What's another way to disrupt them? You know, it's a waste a bit of time. It's, I'd, if it was just us as an outlier, you'd say, yeah, we do play a nasty game. But look at Arteta at Arsenal. Arsenal's mm-hmm. players are always in the face of the referee. The moment anything goes against them, when they want a foul, the manager is is very sort of active at the referees. I I, I just think it's sadly Arteta's a bit of an asshole, though, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, I'm making I'm I'm, I'm making my point, aren't I? Yeah, well, <laughs> but, you know um... what I mean? Like, I, I just I think City when they were you know like they had Fernandinho, the cynical foul, the cliche that was a Manchester City yeah. cliche. You you just have to have like. Not have to have, but a lot of winning teams have cynical, nasty, tough sides. I, th- I think as long as our team has, as long as, long as our team has the likes of, and I don't mean this to be cri- too critical because I'm a big fan of all of the players in the first team, but I think as long as our team has the likes of Dan Byrne, Dan Byrne, Sean Longstaff, Joe Willock, though he's improving, Joe Linton, again improving, but they're not, they're not top, top, top level players yet. So we're, we're trying to find. Those 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 finer those finer margins. One final point that I want to make about the first leg, just a, just a small point before I move on to the second leg. I really loved how we continued to to go for the jugular after the sending off. Yes, you know we didn't. You know one nil from the first leg away from home is a good result regardless, and it would be loads better than one one. But the management team sensed the chance to kill the tie and went for it, and I thought that was great. I agree. I I thought. On balance, I thought 2-0 or 2-1 would have been a fairer score than 1-0, if that makes sense, even though that looks bad on Southampton. But I thought that was a, a like, if I was Chaletta Char, I think that's how you say his name, Chaletta Char, I, I would have taken that red card in that situation because 2-0 down for them is a lot harder to come back from than 1-0 at St. James's Park. Absolutely. So we go into the second leg at St. James's Park with that advantage. And... What's very lovely, Lucas, is that you and I will actually spend time in the flesh together in in the in the northeast. Uh, we're going for dinner, I think, aren't we, with some other pals too? We are, uh, yeah. So conversation I'm... will be the winner that night. <laughs> yeah, it certainly will. Um, yeah, Tally Tray, the Thai, exactly. Thai restaurant. Have you ever been in Newcastle? No, I, I, I am. No, I'm sure it'll be good. I, I'm surprised we're not going to Chili Paddy. That's normally where we where we go. Um, Chili Paddy is the usual pre-game haunt, isn't it? Um, or post-game or during. Game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mentioned my love for peanut butter earlier on in the podcast. Um, I'm going to bring it up again because why not? But Chili Paddy and their peanut butter French toast sandwich thingies. Um, Tally Tray has a lot to live up to on Tuesday Yeah, absolutely. Night. Chili Paddy. If you've never been there, do go there. They're not even paying us to say that. <laughs> exactly. Um so yes, um, Tuesday night. It's it's exciting, isn't it? Um, yeah. Can you remember the last semi final that we were in? Um, was it the sporting the sporting Lisbon one? Well, that was the quarters. I'm not. I wasn't intending to. I wasn't intending to level you. Sorry. So it was the Marseille one when um, Woodgate kept us in it at, at home, and then when he was injured in the second leg, and everyone else was injured, Drogba just. Played played well, and we didn't have an answer. That's the one. The one that yeah. seems to be as synonymous with Hugo Viana wasn't good enough as it was with Didier Drogba was too good. 
I agree with you. I, you know, that's a separate debate that we could maybe have in Tally Tide or whatever it's called. But, I, I, <laughs> but can you remember where you were or anything yeah. with that semi? Any any recollections of the evening at all? Yeah, I was watching it in my then girlfriend's house with her dad. Um, and I remember just feeling, just feeling gutted, really. I, just, I, I felt it was one of those ones that you knew going into it with the injuries we had, it was like, winning here is going to be so unlikely that you've kind of always got that narrative in your head during the match. So you kind of start nervous and you start angry and then it, reality happens and it ends up just being an unpleasant experience overall because you can see yeah. the pain coming. Well, I suppose that's the interesting thing, isn't it? With an interesting difference this time. Um, that Marseille game, the Sporting Lisbon one that you mentioned, it, oh, it felt yeah. almost like a semi-final because the, the the prospect of getting to the final was was almost as great because we were we were we would meet unfancied teams in the semi yeah. if we got through. However, it was so sent that in both those cases it was so sensitive to crucial members of the squad not being available, like you say Woodgate. In the second one, it was Dyer, mm. although he started, he went off, and it all fell to pieces. He played magnificently into- in that game. Sorry, he played magnificently up till that point in that game. He was brilliant. Yeah. Going into this one, we're pretty much got a full bill of health, unless we're desperately missing Paul Dummett for a semi-final, <laughs> uh, for a final opportunity. Um, for we're going into it with confidence, with a full bill of health. I feel very confident. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I do. I'm probably not, not in the same, not at the exact same point as you. I'm still a bit nervous just because it's a big occasion. I'm very excited. I'm I'm going to be at the match. I'm I'm really excited about that. I think the atmosphere is going to be incredible. Um, I, I I'm kind of probably at sort of sixty five percent. Like yeah, we'll 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 win. I think there's an interesting question for him to answer, which is clearly the kind of defense. We've been taking a, a defense first approach for a while, and clearly for about five six games now, we haven't been making clear cut chances that often, and we haven't been taking them when we make them. And those two substitutions on Tuesday turned the turned the momentum in the game in our favour decisively. Do we do that this time? Or do we does he go sort of halves and try one of them? You know, you might be able to say, and we'll touch upon this later, you might say, well, Isak deserves a start because Wilson hasn't been playing well for a while. Yeah, it's a fascinating conundrum really, isn't it? You know, the the, the impact of the the their 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 double substitution is an incredible impact sub. Do they lose yeah. value as an impact sub if it's only one of them? I have a feeling he will stick with the same team. I just think he's 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 going to be quite rigid with it and, and go for the same again. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting, exciting occasion. Uh, I can't wait to get up there. Um, and who are the lads? Bring it on. Let's get ourselves to Wembley. I think it'll be a good... Like I think the party that night, if they get to the final, will be... Not like obviously not a rager, but I think there'll be a good a good a good feeling in town for sure afterwards. I think people stay out quite late and talk about the final excitedly. Like I think it will be a really nice atmosphere if it happens. Yes, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with Wednesday. Um, I haven't yet <laughs> haven't yet mentioned to my yeah, employer that uh, the situation. Off, so, but they are they are a good bunch. So what will be will be. Now yeah. then. On to different matters. Um, Newcastle have dipped into the transfer market as they, as we knew they inevitably would. They always, they always do since these, since these owners have arrived. Um, we've signed, or again, not official, 
but unless you count pictures of with fans in the Metro Centre at JD Sports, etc., as being confirmed, um, he isn't confirmed yet. Um, likewise, Harrison Ashby from West Ham. So, Gordon, it seems to have um, conjured a, a sort of a bit of a mixed response from from United fans. Um, I think it's an interesting signing. I can't claim that I've seen loads of him, but what I've seen, I think he looks promising. I thought he was one of Everton's better players in that 3-1 game from about exactly a year ago when Trippier scored the free kick. I thought he was good that night. Um, Everton fans seem happy to see the back of him. Um, It's an interesting one. Where do you stand on it? I found it quite jarring, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I... I, I didn't expect it at all. I When I read that rumour in the summer and earlier this month, I thought, that's just agent-driven nonsense. We're not in for Anthony, for Anthony Gordon. Um, I think that's partly because I don't see an obvious place from in our team. He seems to be a similar player to Almiron, but in my view, not as good as him right now. And secondly, I think probably just because he's not been playing recently. So I've kind of assumed that he's no, you know, like like any other young player might have had like a season and now struggling. So I've been thinking about him a lot. I think also it looks on paper like a lot of money when you think that it's more than we paid for Bruno and and Botman individually. Although, you know, we have to, that's us accepting that the fee and what they said about the fee is true. But let's, you know, let's just say it is. Um, that might be sort of an English tax. So it's probably more just that every transfer is different on its circumstances and you shouldn't set, it's not really a worthwhile spend of time comparing amounts by quality. Um, I think what to do is... Surely the big thing here in terms of the price is that good old-fashioned British premium um, and not to mention the the potential that we're buying here. Yeah, no, for sure. I can understand the price out, you know, like contextually. Um, I'm, I find the British premium thing very strange, but you're certainly right. It, it, it does exist. I still think it's a lot to, to pay for potential, but certainly there is potential there. I think, yeah, you can... And not just potential, potential to develop into the exactly kind the exact kind of player that Eddie Howe wants here his pressing statics statistics very impressive he's clearly very fit very energetic has a good engine and he's like a fast direct um what's the right word I find Eddie Howe's offense system kind of like, like repeatedly being hit by a blunt instrument you know like a kind of battering ram at a door I think he suits that kind of um strategy basically I can see why we're in for him and uh, what about his uh sort of dislikability as it were well maybe yeah i think what, what you're what you're hinting at is that that's another thing that fits into how we want to play vis-a-vis the housing yeah. right? he, he has been in some scuffles before he people say he's a, he's a new bellamy i've seen once or twice highlights of him getting in the face of other players so yeah absolutely maybe he, he fits right into that too that that clip, um, I mean, I remember it from the time from the from the home fixture this season when he was getting in Trippier's face and Shah ran into him yeah. and uh, Pope ran into him and all that. And uh, you know, looking at that and enjoying that moment at the time of it happening, it was like, yeah, fuck off, Gordon. <laughs> but now <laughs> looking at it through a different lens, it's it's I can see, you know, even maybe Trippier saw the appeal of that. You know, he he probably probably didn't he probably sort of respected a young lad getting in his face like that, and yeah. who knows, maybe Trippier had something to do with the recommendation. Well, yeah, I can I can see that happening. I think other, but I think it's also not. You know, they they obviously think this guy has serious talent. I mean, his pedigree is is. It's good. I mean, Ancelotti gave him games at a very young age regularly. Rafa Benitez picked him in his first team regularly during his short stint there. And now Eddie Howe thinks a lot of him. So that's that's three pretty strong recommendations there. 
Absolutely. Well, I think it's an exciting signing. Well, who knows? Maybe he'll go straight into the first team. Um, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is stage one of Operation Goodbye Maxi. Hope not, but you never know. Maybe. Um, so he isn't the only player we've signed. Um, obviously, Garan Kowal came in earlier in the in the month. Um, Harrison Ashby. Played in both the Conference League and the Europa League for West Ham against Dynamo Zagreb and Stoa Bucharest. Um, other than that, little seen of him, I would imagine. Um, I, I didn't see either of those games, but uh, Transfer Market tells me he played against those two. But it's a young right back. Um, it's, a, it's a gap we needed to fill. Um, any, any, any big thoughts on Harrison Ashby? I think two things. I think firstly, it's a no-brainer. And, you know, related to the first thing, I think it's reeks of Dan Ashworth. I think you're paying a very small fee that was reported to be £3 million to either get an understudy to take over from Trippier when you get to a point where you think, can I still make money back for Trippier? You get a reliable backup and take off Manquillo and Kraft off the wage bill so you can allocate that money elsewhere within an FFP system that we're still trying to, to grow with. Or if he doesn't turn out, or become a regular or turn out to be exactly what you want him to be, um, you're probably still going to make your money back, if not more, on him, right? If he's played games regularly for Newcastle, Newcastle becoming an elite team, it's a, it's a great deal. I think every eventuality is a good one. How about you? Yeah, well, I, I, I can't disagree with any, anything you're saying there. Um, I think it's interesting that Dan Ashworth went with him as opposed to my shout, Jeremy Frimpong. Um I, he obviously didn't hear the song. Yeah, I mean, he's a right back, but uh, obviously our blackmail of Dan didn't quite um, work. I've got your kids, Dan. I've got your kids. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say the singing was the blackmail. <laughs> One interesting little factoid is that Ashby does have the same agent as Mukoko, the Borussia Dortmund attacker, um, but also, curiously, the same agent as Ryan Fraser and Florian Lejeune. So, and indeed Eddie Howe, apparently. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's all adding up. Um, now then, <laughs> Lucas, um, on the topic of January transfers, you will recall from our WhatsApp this morning when we were planning the agenda for our little meet here that yeah. I said, why don't we add a little bit of a nostalgic flavour um, and discuss some of yeah. the, uh, some of our January transfers from years gone by. I changed my mind um, and I also changed the, my, my mind on the fact that I said, don't worry, I won't try and catch you out. So this is me about to try and catch you out. Yeah. Okay. Now, for those who don't know, which will be the majority of you, Lucas is uh, is is a trivia behemoth. No, don't United. say that now. I'm gonna... <laughs> oh, so I've got ten years here, and you can get a point for every year. Let's hope. Oh this... no, that's tough. Let's hope this doesn't take forever. Um, wow. Ten years. Can you tell me the last minute? Our last few days signing that we made in the following years. I'll give you the position and the year. And in each case, they were signed very late on, a la Gordon, Ashby and Co. So, wow, that's going to be tough. So here we go. Do your best. Centre midfielder in 2005. Um, is that um, Amdi Fai? Correct. What one out a terrible one. purchase he was. <laughs> one out of one. Centre-back from 2006. In January? Yeah, on loan. On loan? Uh, was it um, Aguchi Onyewu? Two out of two. See, I told oh, you folks. He was also really bad. 
That, was that a Sooness signing or a Roder signing? Roder, Glenn Roder, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were linked with Frederick Pickion all month and then ended up with Aguchi on your, on your Um So two out of two, very very well done. Uh, 2009, three players, but only one point because that's the way I roll with my trivia. So three players, a centre midfielder, a utility player and an attacker. Utility slash right back, I suppose. So uh, 2009, centre mid, right back, attack. Nolan. Correct. Ryan Taylor. Correct. And the right back, I presume, was Danny Simpson. No, no, no. The right back was uh, Ryan Taylor. So it's just the the attacker you're missing. We got Simpson when we went down. So, um, and the attacker, Peter Lovely Pants. Love and That's the fella. Three out of three. three. What a great transfer window that was, actually. It turned out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I suppose. All sort of very much eventually. Yeah. Um, didn't quite do the trick that season. Nolan, but, in particular, uh, Nolan is such an underrated Newcastle player. So, three out of three. In 2010, a centre-back and a left-back. So again, two players. 2010. So that was the championship year, of course. Um, a left-back, what? was it a left-back and a... And a centre back. So Chris Hutton's defensive reinforcements in January 2010. Centre back was 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 it Zurab Kishanashvili? I don't know how to say his name. Is that your answer? Nor is it one size. Is it one size fits all? <laughs> well done. It fits all. And the left back, another loan. I've forgotten the left back because Enrique. Oh, Van Arsenal. Patrick Van Arsenal. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> four out of four. Going he very well. Van Arnholt. He had he has he had a few good moments. Yeah, he looked a canny player, didn't he? Uh 2011, striker. Oh, Shefki Kucci. That's the one. Five out of five. What are so you halfway there? If ever you needed a microcosm of the Mike Ashley experience, selling the next Geordie Hero striker and replacing him with someone who looked a lot like someone who turned up just by accident. Like, he did not look like a football player. He looked like a plasterer. Uh, 2014. 2014 striker. Where do we get with 2014? Um, Where were we in 2014, January? Let me locate myself in time. That yellow, was yellow awake it. So that's from um, twenty fourteen. Yellow awake it, as in the yellow Wonga awake it. That's the one, yeah. It wasn't Remy because we got Remy in the summer of that season, right? Um, Correct. Got, yeah. yeah. Who who the hell did we bring in up front? I'm going to give oh. you a clue. Yeah, go on. Dutch. Oh, um, was it Luke De Jong? Luke De Jong. He was awful. I wouldn't have got that had you not said Dutch. Because to be honest, you know, we've both talked about the phases of antipathy and like apathy as well. I, that was one of mine. I didn't watch much during that season. I'll give you six out of six. Uh, 2016 winger. Oh, that was when... So 2016, we go. Do we go? We go down in relegation season. Steve McLaren. So, so McLaren. So Andros Townsend. Correct. Seven out of seven. Was really good for us, I thought. Two signings in 2018: a striker and a goalkeeper. Dubravka's the goalkeeper. Yep. The striker is escaping me, which is annoying. 2018. That's our first season back up under Rafa. No clues. I'm going to give you three seconds. I'm absolutely... How can I have forgotten the striker? 
three, two. No, I've forgotten the striker, and it's really obvious. It's Daryl Murphy. No, he was summer. Islam Slamani. Oh, Daryl Murphy was in the championship. Sorry, that's a terrible. Too late. Too late. Unlucky. Slamani, I forgot Slamani played for us. Seven out of eight. Two more years to go. Two more years to go. 2019, two players, one of them an attacker, the other a left back. 2019, two players, attack and left back. The left back was, um, no, that was 20, yeah, no, 2019, um, Lazaro. Incorrect. No, was he not? The 2019, who, 2019 was Bruce's first season, right? No, no, no. That was last season. It was Rafa's last season, so, so it's not it was Antonio Barreca was the left back. I wouldn't have got Barreca. No, the attacker, the... you definitely know this one. What's the the attacker? Yeah, an easy one, this. Oh, my God, I'm having a total mind blank, like a complete <laughs> mind blank. Three. Who did we sign in Rafa's last January? Miguel Almiron. Oh, my God, it was Almiron, wasn't it? <laughs> I oh, it's all going to cock now. I completely forgot that we bought Almiron in January. I really crashed at the end there. of course one more, one more Lucas let's redeem yourself let's try and get 8 out of 10 of course it's 2021 centre midfield um, I'm having a complete mind like man right now it's really really weird was that 2021 centre midfield a lone centre midfielder from the Premier League um, sorry Willock right correct Yeah. 8 out of 10 a remarkable score I knew no, you'd do well I, Al- I shouldn't have missed Almiron that was poor <laughs> I, I can't believe we got Almiron in the same window as Barreca <laughs> yeah. That's well, my year in my mind. Number 23, the best ever. Um yeah, now then. Now that I've tortured you, let's get back onto familiar familiar ground where we can talk and wax lyrical about the trials and tribulations of the current Newcastle United team. Yeah. Um the current Newcastle United team isn't scoring many goals at the moment. Um why? My suspicion is, and I don't, I'm not, I have no idea if this is right, but I think there's a there's a bit of fatigue setting in, just to the extent that elite sport, like a 0.1% drop off, can be a difference. And in the same way that we were talking about why Chris Wood probably wasn't good enough was that he was getting in position but not taking the chances. And does it suggest that? maybe we we discussed maybe he wasn't up to it physically and I think we might be getting there like we're snatching at chances a lot of chances currently being missed in my opinion blazed over the bar you can watch like the the players are sort of leaning back so maybe it's that maybe it's just that we are really prioritizing team defense and we're happy just to nick it because a lot of the nil nils we were very close to nicking one nil um so maybe that's just the strategy again Wilson there's an issue there isn't there Wilson Wilson doesn't look completely right. And I don't know whether it's a um just a drought which happens to all strikers, it might just be that. I don't know whether it's a um an effect of he had COVID, I think, and he, he um seems to got seem to get it quite badly, but he's Could certainly not the guy we've seen recently. My dad was uh, particularly insufferable on uh, Tuesday evening. He's uh, he's from or rather he didn't used to be, but he's Entering the school of thought of uh, player has bad game must sell now, um, which is uh, which is which is yeah. which is troubling. Um, <laughs> but um, I certainly wouldn't sell uh, Colin Wilson. I no. um, yeah, I think father, but that's a ludicrous opinion. <laughs> not his I, only one. Sorry, Mr. Lishman, I, I like your son very much. <laughs> well, that's very kind. Um, 
Yeah, Callum Wilson. I mean, hope, hopefully it is a draw. I mean, what's 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 good is that um, that move he does where he sort of is right on the last shoulder of the defender, rolls the defender and pelts off into the towards the box. He's still doing that. Um, I thought he had a good game against Fulham where he did that a couple of times. And he did it against Southampton too. So, um, fingers crossed, he, maybe he doesn't need a break. And to go back to what we were talking about earlier, maybe if uh, Howe was to make one change, it would be to bring Isaac in for Wilson as opposed to Isaac and Maxi. Um, I think so. I mean, I I think at some point with Isaac, we, we're going to have to say, right, is he the guy? because we've spent a lot of money on him and he's clearly very talented. So I could see him making that change. I think the same argument stands in favour of, I don't think we're going to buy one now, but I thought we would do well to buy a central midfielder because I think Willock and Longstaff are showing signs of fatigue as well. Um, so it'd be good to have someone else bring in, especially as Shelby's coming back to fitness, but his recent injury record has been really poor. Well, that centre midfielder, um, the Madison link just won't go away. Surely it's not happening this summer, but... Do you, sorry, this January, of course. Um, do you think that it's a prospect for the summer? Do you think we'll do you think we'll finally get our man? I think Madison, for better or for worse, is the kind of the next of the sort of factory line of English players who's going to go on to an elite level, and we'll either find out if he is elite or he's he's, he's overhyped. He seems to be that guy. I think he'll have his pick of clubs in the summer. So I think um, the sort of a precondition will be Champions League. Um, so if we're in the Champions League, yes, we'll be in the conversation. I think we then have to get past the next hurdle, which is we don't have the goodwill and the history of the recent history of name of some of the other people who probably be in for him. So that might, but I don't know how much they want him. Why? Why is Champions League uh, a prerequisite for Madison if it wasn't for Botman and Bruno? Um, because I think he'll. I, well, firstly, he said it. He wants to go and play. Wants to play in the Champions League. Secondly, I think because he'll be offered it. I, I think with Botman and Bruno, well, I get, so Botman had what AC Milan. So I guess yeah, yeah, he had the option on the table. Bruno, were Leon in the Champions League with him? Um, I don't think they were. Right, West Ham beat them in the Europa, didn't they? So I don't know if they were. Point. Your point, if I think the one you're trying to make is true, stands in that maybe he'll buy into a project. I just mm-hmm. think if you've got, and I think he will have someone like a Manchester City or a Manchester United, maybe a Liverpool, I don't know, offering him big money, offering Leicester a big fee and offering him automatic Champions League um, time with the with the prospect of going deep into it. Um, but maybe they won't. And he would be a great player for us. He certainly would. Well, fingers crossed, Anthony Gordon and Harrison Ashby turn out to be great players too. I think we've covered everything that we can possibly cover this time, Lucas. Um, Every blade of conversational grass. Sorry? I've covered every blade of conversational grass. (laughs) Yes. um, I'm very much looking forward to clinking glasses with you on Tuesday evening ahead of hopefully a glorious and historic night. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I hope you, I hope you enjoy. Well, you've only got two more days to it. So have a nice end of weekend and Monday. And yourself, sir. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And same to the rest of you. Goodbye. Goodbye.